God, I love to worship and I love to be together with people. And I also, I really love your, your scripture. I love the Bible. And I, I pray that as we talk about it tonight, it would inspire us and challenge us and that it would plant seeds of hope and strength inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I can't see them. Are they like invisible? Every time you tell me they're here, I look and they're gone. Okay. All right. So I think before I start, can we do it now? Before I start teaching, I actually wanted to ask um, some of my dear friends. No, he's got a kid. So it's good. You can share. Grab that microphone. Um, I, I don't want to spoil it by talking about it, but I've been talking about it a lot. This has been an ongoing process, but I just want you to share some of the inside story stuff, like the conversations and some of the cool stuff that's been happening. Sure. You might need to give a little background for people who, are, who don't sure. know. Sure. Um, so we um, were part of a group that did Thanksgiving meals for the past, well, Claire and I did them. This was our third consecutive year um, with the same family. Um, And the family since then had moved. And this year we went to bring them a Thanksgiving meal and they had no furniture. Like there was a baseball in their living room. That was what was on the floor. That was it. And we left and one of my sons was like, mom, we have to get them furniture. Like we have to. And then as soon as I got home, Claire texted and she was like, we have to get them furniture. And what turned into like, it was just Thanksgiving meals. It was just, it ended then has now turned into these people. And I'm going to cry at some point. Sorry. Um, they're just in our hearts like forever. And, um, so I just put it out on Facebook and, a friend of mine from 14 years ago that's not even a Christian was like, I have beds, I have mattresses, I have this. Then another person was like, I have money to donate and I have dishes and I have um, lists of things. I mean, basic, they had no no beds, you know, they had no comforters, so they have comforters. Um, Jacob went today to bring them a meal and he brought um, like a side table because their lamp that we had given them um, was sitting on a paint bucket and it's just, like, basic. Like, they have no curtains in there. Um, sorry, this just has wrecked me. Um, and I said to Jacob, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so different than just bringing a meal. And he was like, I know. They've jumped into our hearts. Like, they, they're they not just a project. And I think I was praying for them um, the other day, and God was like, it's different now because they're not a project. They're, like, real people. And I think that's something that God wants for all of us. It's easy to do a project because there's no heart connection, and it's actually not that hard. It's time, it's energy, but real connection with our hearts, like, there is a sacrifice. There's a cost to connecting. Um, But I feel like that's what God is calling us to, is deep connection. And that's how people are going to know Jesus. And he um, wants to come to church, and Jacob gave him a... A Jesus Calling book in Spanish because they, you know, speak Spanish. And the next time we went over, he was like, I was sitting in my chair you guys gave us and I was reading Jesus Calling and listening to my Spanish guitar music. And it's just like, just a little bit goes so far and we all can do that. And so, and I just want to share when I was younger, we had nothing. My dad left our family and we didn't have food sometimes in our cabinets. And my pastor's wife one time, one time brought us food and she looked at my mom and she said, don't get used to this. We can't do this all the time. And that changed my life forever. And I said, I will never be that person 
Like, I want to be the person who will give. And so, I'm sorry if you can't even understand what I'm saying, but I just feel like the Lord is calling us to connection and no more projects, like real connection. And and people are going to get saved. Like, that's where they get saved is in the connection. Um, So that... That's all I have to say, but it's just like changing our lives. And these people are literally down the street from us and they don't have a car. And Jacob's like, that's okay. We can take two cars to church. We can take their family. And it's like a year ago, we would not have been those people because we like our privacy. We like to be home. We like our own time. And not that that has to get thrown out the window, but like such a small cost for these, these people are going to get saved, you know, and this is forever. And it's just amazing. And it's not just us. Like this took like a team of people who gave and partnered together. And it's just so powerful. Like, and I just feel like God's starting a fire. Like this is just the little spark and it's just going to continue. And so I just ask for everybody to just try to open your hearts. And one thing that we started to pray like months ago was, Lord, like, yeah, you're not calling us to Africa right this second, but use us where we are. And we just started to pray that, and he wants to answer that. And it's like literally doors down, you know, he answered that. So, anyway. That's awesome. Thank you. Sarah sent me a picture this morning while I was in church. So can you show? That's... If you had been there before anything went, I mean, it it was just floor, and that's their bedroom now. I mean, these kids slept on hardwood, and then the first delivery we made included a carpet, so they slept on a carpet that night, and that was like, they were excited about it, right? And now look at their bedroom, and the, what did the dad say? They make their beds every morning, right? I mean, if you don't take it for granted, it's incredible. I mean, I got that during church, like during, during worship, to be honest. And, uh, and, and I, I'm not saying I don't love to worship. But for me, I got that and I was like, church is happening. Like, church is happening right here. And this is church too. I'm not like, you know, I'm not confused. But like, this is so, I don't know. I got to be careful I don't go back into the, the teaching series we just finished here. But, you know, we're being called to be missionaries to our culture. You don't have to move to Africa. You know, in fact, I would argue that America, I mean, there's, do you know China's starting to spend, send missionaries to America? Our, our country is in desperate need of authentic gospel. We've gone, uh, you know, modern, postmodern, and we're coming out into what people are calling post-postmodern, which is, you know, we're becoming a non-Christian society. We're becoming kind of like the early church was in a society that wasn't all agreed upon that Christianity was like the foundation. I mean, you know, like 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago, it was assumed in America that Christianity was true. And so your revivals were basically, let me call you back to what you know to be true. That's why fire and brimstone worked because it was conviction because they already believed it. But now we're in a society that doesn't agree on that stuff. And they would say, well, anything goes. Let's, we're tolerant. Everybody, let's, you know, let's respect each other space. And, and so it, it reminds me of like Paul when he walks into Athens, Athens in the book of Acts and he looks at all the different gods and he looks at all the gods and, and he uses culture to preach the authentic, me- um, 
the authentic message of the gospel. And he says, hey, you've got all these gods, but there's this one statue called the unknown God. I know that God. Let me tell you about that God. And he doesn't run from culture. He doesn't hide. He embraces culture without becoming a sinner, without culture changing him, right? Didn't Paul say, I've become all things to all people so that I might save some? It's this sense of, I'm going to get into culture and make a difference in culture. And I couldn't be more passionate. And, and it's one decision, like one decision leads to another. Generosity breeds generosity. And, and Jesus is in what is happening right now. And we don't know where it could go and where it is right now. I'm so grateful. But one family made one meal. That's how it started. That, that's how all those stories start. I mean, I told you about that pastor I met from, from Paradise, Pennsylvania, where he had one conversation with one, uh, one worker in the school district or in, no, in the um, township. One time, one conversation, they built, they put a roof on. That roof led to a $300,000 loan from the government to their church to do more replenishments in their, in their uh, area where they live, in the township, in the surrounding townships, which led to relationships in the school district, with le- which led to church volunteers running the after-school program, running the after-school program, church volunteers being allowed to preach the gospel message in school, in public school, after school, in summer school. Think about that. I, I just read an article by a youth pastor friend of mine. We, um, so I manage the Vineyard Youth website, and we write articles two or three a week. And a youth pastor from um, Louisiana wrote this article about how, how all the ways that he's getting into the public schools as a youth pastor and just making relationships. It's this idea of embracing and getting in where the doors will open. And I just, okay. So Jesus, we pray for this family, for Jose and his wife and kids, and we ask for you to continue to work and knock on the door of their hearts, God. And we pray for more. God, I pray, I continue to pray that you would bring us the people of peace, the, the, the doorways into our communities, into the communities of, you know, whatever communities you're calling us into, Lord, open doors so that we could see people come to know you, so that we could serve the poor, so that we could uh, love our neighbors, Jesus, so we could be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. God, open the doors in Jesus' name. Open the doors, God. Amen. And afterwards, we're going to have Claire's going to share a little bit about there's some food delivery going on today as well and yesterday to the same families that we ministered to on Thanksgiving. All right, I actually have a teaching that's not about this. So, you know, sometimes when you shift gears, it's like, okay, that's, you know, when you're an early gear shifter. So this is going to be a little bit of a shift here. But um, we're talking through the Advent, uh, four Sundays of Advent. And um, this week we're going to talk, last week we talked about God being generous. Today we're going to talk about God being miraculous. So I want to start with asking you a question like, how many of you have little kids that you're going to be getting toys for that will require assembly? Yep. All right. How many of you are adults getting yourself toys that will require assembly? Okay. So, uh, Josh, what's the first thing you do? Do you assemble or read the instructions? What's the first thing you do? Oh, I always read. Read. Okay. So you and me, we're in the, you don't? You and me, we're a, now do I have a, who's an assembler? And a read second. Bill, assembler, yep, Brandon, okay, assembler. Yeah, another Bill, yeah, right there. Okay, so I know, I know people like that. And it frustrates me when I'm on a team with a person like that, like where the two of us are trying to work together because they're, they're like getting the stuff out and starting to put things together before they've even looked at everything, you know? And, and, and I'm there just like trying to read. And when I feel pressure, I read slower. And so I'm like, Step one, you know, and they're like, like shoving stuff. And I'm like, you know, some of these things, when you shove them together, they don't come apart. 
right? I, I take pride in reading the instructions. And I was thinking about, um, uh, so when we moved into the new house, my father-in-law bought us a, um, a riding mower. And it came with a uh, pull behind little, you know, wagon thingy, trailer thingy. And I was so excited because I've always wanted one of those. And uh, so, it, it, but it had like a thousand little metal pieces and to, to screw it together. And I was following the instructions. I was out there, you know, it was so hot and sweating and I was almost done. And I was like, man, this is, this is really looking good. And, and one of my kids was like, can I ride in it? And I was like, yeah, 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 you can ride in it. And I was about to put Eden into it. And I was like, that's odd. The screws are all up. And if you sat a kid in there, they would, they would like rip their legs to shreds. What? Who would design it like this? So I looked underneath and I was like, it's smooth on the bottom. Hmm. So I'm like, you know, oh, you know, darn it. I read the, I mean, I read them and I still did. So that's the story of my life right there. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just how things go. We, I, I hung some more Christmas lights. Uh, if you've driven by my house recently, we've got, I tried to go a little higher on the tree and I added the deck. So just keep watching. I've got 600 more lights that I haven't hung yet that I bought the other day. So I'm going to, I want to get in the tree and go as high as Samuel and I can reach. So one of us will make it out. Um, but uh, I had Eden out there because sometimes that's the only helper you can get. And you know, when you get the lights out and, and they're all like, you need to stretch them so they can go further. So I was like, Eden, pull. And so we're like, pull and pull. And right at the end, she decided to not just gently pull, but to like jerk it. And poof, she ripped it in half, but it's okay. Half the lights still work. Um, but I think that we can be like this when Jesus speaks to us sometimes, that we can, that they're, they're, we're, we can be, we have different responses. Sometimes we have people who like go before they listen to God. And sometimes we have people who are just like, dude, do something. Like just waiting, oh, God's going to tell me, right? And, 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 and everything in between. And I want to talk about one of my favorite uh, stories from the Christmas story is this guy, Simeon, who's God tells him at some point in his life, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And then he just I don't know how long he's, I mean, what if that was like 600 years before? They don't tell you that. What if he's 600 years old? You never know. Probably not. But he's waiting around. He's waiting around forever, forever, however long this takes. And then he gets to meet Jesus. I don't think he died instantly, but um, probably died at some point after that. So I'm going to pull out a few things from this story that I think are really powerful for us. Okay. Um, So I'm going to try to get to that. Let's read it first. Okay. So this is in Luke 2. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's another word for the Messiah. And and the Holy Spirit was on him. It has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of many nations, a a light for, uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that it will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Okay, I want to focus on this um, here. Okay, so it, was, it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing, the first point is that God is a God who speaks to us. And I know that being in our church, we all know this. 
but it isn't something that you can just take the, your foot off the pedal for, okay? Um, and if you think about the Christmas story, there are everything that happens in the Christmas story happens by revelation, by God speaking. He speaks to Zechariah through an angel. He speaks to Mary through an angel. He speaks to Joseph three times through angels and dreams. He speaks to the shepherds by angels. He speaks to the magi by a star. God is speaking and driving the narrative. In fact, if you pull out a little bit and look at the story of the Bible, I don't know if you ever do this, but like sometimes just take the Bible and leaf through it quickly and just like read the headlines, okay? Like that's what I do on my phone for Apple, Apple News. I usually just read the headlines and then find one that's interesting. Uh, so let's just read the headlines. Like, but the very beginning, what's the first thing that happens? God speaks, right? God says, let there be light. His voice establishes the, the creation of the world. And then you can just go main character by main character. He speaks to Noah. If you go look at it, it says, the, then the Lord said, and he starts to tell Noah what to do. Abraham, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country. Jacob spoke to him in a, in a dream many times. Joseph, more dreams. Moses, a burning bush. Joshua, right? Be strong, be courageous. Go take the promised land. He spoke to Samuel before Samuel even knew his voice. I just read that uh, with my kids the other night, right? Wake up. Go, and, and, and he's like, he goes to Eli, and he's like, Eli, did you call me? He said, no. It took him three times to realize. Uh, he spoke to Samuel. He spoke to David. He spoke to Solomon. He spoke to Esther. He spoke to the prophets. Think about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel. He spoke to, now let's get into the New Testament, right? We just, we just did that, the whole Jesus story. New Testament prophets, New Testament apostles. You get to the last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation, which is God speaking, God revealing. In fact, the last verse is John talking to Jesus and Jesus saying, yes, I am coming soon, right? So this is a book of God's voice. He is a God who communicates and it makes no sense that he would pull back on that at any time. There isn't, there isn't like dispensations. Like if you study the Bible and, there, and there's, a, you know, there's kind of a theological construct that some people believe in the church, which, you know, not really what I'm talking about, but that there's dispensations of God's power and voice. And if you look, there's times that happened, times that didn't, times that happened, times that didn't. And we're in a time where it's not happening, right? I don't believe that. And, and, and actually, it, there's some great books out there. If you're interested in that, if that's a thing that you struggle with, I can turn you on to some great books by this guy named Jack Deere. He basically chronicles the whole Bible and how the, there's the miraculous basically in everything from cover to cover. If you study church history, you can't get away from it. There, I mean, it's just God's power is still moving. God's voice is still speaking. Many of us have heard his voice in still ways, in big ways, in small ways. Um, so this is, God, God is a God who speaks. I'm working with a team right now to create um, milestones for young people in America in the vineyard. And we're trying to decide what are the things that we want uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers to have before they graduate from our youth groups. And it's, it's a really neat time that I get to be part of this discussion and, and actually lead it. And so I get to like basically decide these things. You know, there's for the thousands of teenagers in America, like what are we going to say? That we're going to build curriculum around it. And you know, so we're trying to like wrestle, like what's really important? Because you can't just say everything. So you got to pick some things. And right up at the top for me is, have they experienced hearing the voice of God? And I know that the kids in our youth group, I know that they have, because it's a high priority, but have they experienced hearing the voice of God? And so I'd ask you in your life, are you experiencing hearing the voice of God? You don't have to be super spiritual to do this. You don't. 
And there's so many ways. Like one of the things we, we do at youth group is on a, on a regular basis is I throw up a whiteboard and we start to talk through the Bible. What are all the ways that God spoke? Some of them are pretty grand, you know, but some of them are pretty basic, like a whisper or a thought or a donkey, right? I mean, he can talk to you however he wants to. Don't, don't like I think charismatics tend to isolate one or two ways that God speaks and glorify those ways as the ways that happens. But if somebody walks up to you and you're seeking God about something and you're seeking God about something and someone walks up to you and tells you something that like is like dead on center, that's God. Why is that not God? Right? He talks about the gifts of the Spirit being words of wisdom, words of knowledge. That's the same as that's the same level as prophecy, right? Or the same level as you hearing a thought from God. We can hear from each other. We can hear from Scripture. You're reading the Bible, and all of a sudden that verse just like, boom, right? That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He can speak to you in your dreams. He can speak to you through circumstances. He can speak to you any way he wants to. And I think more likely we are not listening than he is not speaking, Right? And maybe not intentionally, like, la, 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 la. but I think we just, we have to create space to hear. It's similar to a marriage. And this is, I know, maybe like Christianity 101 for some of you in here, but sometimes the fundamentals are the things that we let go of, right? And so, you know, if you're coaching a sports team, you just keep going back to the fundamentals, right? You want to talk about the higher level stuff, but if, if they're not boxing out, right, then you're not going to win. So um, it's okay to talk about the fundamentals sometimes. Are we creating space? Like in a marriage, you have to create space to listen to each other. You can't just assume that's happening. You know, you could just be running by each other, living life together, you know, making sure that all the kids are accounted for every day, making sure you've bought food and, you know, driving and driving and driving and driving. That's the stage I'm in. You know, if you're younger, it's crying and crying and crying, right? So you're in one of those stages, maybe if you don't have kids yet, your life's really easy. I mean, just honestly, it's like, enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, You know, it's just like one date night after another. I mean, I can't even remember what that was like. Um. So, but you know, there's, you get this, you have to make this space where you actually hear each other and listen to each other. And you're like, oh, you think that? I didn't know. You know, it's, it's important. We have to, we have to create space for God. God rarely is going to do the Paul thing where he shows up and like, boom, kicks you off of whatever you're riding, you know, out of your car maybe and thunder and speaks to you. Rarely. He could and he does, but he rarely does that. More often than not, he's looking for us to engage. I think he's there. I think it's the Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but he's not like barging the door down. It doesn't say he stands at the door with a battering ram. All right, let's talk. You know, he's like knocking on the door, waiting for us to respond. Where is our heart's posture towards the Lord's voice? So like Jacob, you're uh, 17. You have full responsibility for your spiritual growth. So you have to take ownership of where your heart is in response to God's voice. Right? And same with Doug. I mean, Doug, you're like, you're 18, right? So you, you have to take, no one else can take responsibility for this. It's not the church's job. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your spouse's job. It's not your parents' job. You know, if you're not going to create space to listen to God's voice, then you're going to start saying things like, I don't, I don't ever hear God's voice. You know, I don't ever hear God's voice and I don't feel close to God. And scripture just doesn't make sense to me. And I feel distant. He never answers my prayer. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you, don't, if you don't put the ingredients in, you're never going to get what you're looking for. You know, you have to create space to hear God's voice. John 14 is up here. 
And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him and he lives with you and will be in you. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So don't take this for granted. Are we listening? Second thing that we can learn from this story of Simeon is that God is faithful. Oh, God is faithful. I am not. Um, All right, I made these little things again. And Tracy Beck told me that if I'm going to hand these out, I can't make fun of them. So I'm not going to make fun of them. But here's fill in the blanks. The first one is God is speaking to us. The second one is God is faithful to his word. God is faithful to his word. Sovereign Lord, this is Simeon's prayer. As you have promised, you, have now, you may now dismiss your, spirit, your servant in peace. All right, so listen. How long do you think he was waiting? Some of you have been Christians for a while. From your experience following Jesus, how long do you think he was waiting? 50. You both said 50. All right, so there you go. I'm probably a long time. I mean, rarely does God promise something so big and it's like the next day. Like, oh, he told me I wouldn't die and tomorrow he came. That's great, you know? See, um, God's been speaking to me through this book and I would recommend it. It's like, I don't know what it's called. It's like draw the circle or something or drawing the circle or the circle drawler. (laughs) Circle maker? Circle maker. But I'm reading the devotional one. So it's like a watered-down version for kids like me. Um, and, but, it's, but this guy is just like, you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying. That's basically the only thing he says in the whole book. But he tells story after story after story of how that actually does things. Like, but it's this persistence in prayer. And I was reflecting on how that relates to God being faithful. And this is how it re- relates in my mind, is that I, I'm going to stop praying if I don't think God's faithful. I'm going to ask, I think we do this. We ask once or twice and it's like, oh, well, you know, but like if I know that God is faithful, then I'm going to press in and I'm going to keep praying and praying and praying. There's some really legitimately amazing verses. Like, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So hope is this whole idea of something that's coming, And that's the whole idea of the season of Advent. I think you're probably aware of that. But the season of Advent is the waiting for the Messiah. They waited for thousands of years for the Messiah, you know? And it's, that's what you're celebrating at Advent until the last Sunday. So we're celebrating waiting and we're waiting again. We're waiting, I think, on a daily basis for God's kingdom to break through because we believe he is now, right now. We're waiting for him to come back again, right? So there's a waiting, but there's also a celebration that he has come. But that waiting is a big part of being a Christian. So there's promises in your life that God's spoken. See, this ties together. God's a speaking God, but he's a faithful God because sometimes the things he speaks don't happen right away. And we need to trust and be faithful. So I was thinking about this a little bit. Samuel um, called me, or we were texting or something. He was like, hey, you need to pick me up from school. My meeting's over. And I was at church and I said, okay, I'm leaving now. Right? So I started driving and uh, he texted me. And I don't text and drive. I just saw it appear on the phone. Maybe I pulled, I don't know what I did. But I saw it appear on the phone. It said, get here. I thought about that for a while. 
Like that request is literally impossible for me to like get there immediately, right? But I was on my way. So I called him, you know, on the phone, hands-free, called him on the phone. And I said, um, I said, just making sure you're okay, you know? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just making sure you're on your way, right? And I said, I, I, told, you, I told you that I was leaving. How long does it take to get to your school from church? 15 minutes. Has it been 15 minutes? No. It's like, I just got a lot of homework. Just get here, right? Okay, so I understand. I'm, I'm on my way, okay? Uh, I'm coming. So here's the question for Samuel, isn't it? Is my father faithful? Isn't that the question? Like, I've, I've promised him I'm coming. And in this in-between moment of tension, is my father faithful? I bet you there's a lot of kids who, when their dad says he's on their way, actually legitimately don't know what's going to happen because their father isn't faithful. Right? Now, I am. And he knows that, so I don't know why you texted me. <laughs> I'm confronting you in front of the church. No, just kidding. You were making sure I had left, weren't you? Uh, that's, that's legitimate. I'm faithful, but I'm a little slow. All right, all right. I do get distracted, I do. All right. Um, see, I, I could have been lying. So, I mean, what are we, what are we thinking when we're, when we're giving up on stuff with God? If he's not faithful, what is he? Like, all the alternatives you wouldn't assign to God, would you? Like he's, he's a liar, he's untrustworthy, he's distracted, he's faceless. God's faithful. And what's more is he never forsakes us. Like let's say that my car broke down. I'm a faithful father, so what would I do? I would work it out. Like I've had stuff like that happen before. I would call someone. I would get someone else to pick him up. Like I would solve the problem because I'm a faithful father. And he is more faithful like God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you have not forsaken those who seek you. Amen. He does not forsake us. He will never leave us or forsake us. So in your moment of trusting, in your moment of waiting, we can know that God is faithful. Now, does that mean he always gives us exactly what we want? how we want it, or when we want it. We all know the answer to that. No. Because sometimes what we ask for is not what we need. Sometimes what we want is not what will make us more like Jesus. Right? And so there's, that's even more trust. You know? Like that's when, you know, your kid asks you for something and you're like, mm-mm. You know, that's not, that's not a good idea. You can't have a chainsaw. You're eight. Right. So, you know, as a father, as a faithful father, there's times when you do say no. In fact, to not say no would make you an unfaithful father. Like, no, you cannot play in the street. Right? That makes me, to, if, if I just had no boundaries at all for my children, I would be an unfaithful father. So when I create boundaries, even when they butt up against them, and I've had conversations with my kids about this recently, you know, like, there will be a day when you don't have to adhere by my boundaries. You know, there'll be a day when you grow out of that. But right now I have boundaries and I'm not asking you to agree with them. And we talk about this. I say, you have to obey. You don't have to agree. 
And, and, and that's this, this sense of, I am a faithful father. I know what's better, even when you don't think I know what's better. And we do that to God, don't we? We're like, God, but, you know? I, I'm sure, like, that's what my kids sound like when they're in that moment. And I'm sure that that's what we sound like to God, you know? He's, well, maybe not. He's a lot better than me. But God is, God is so faithful so faithful that even when we ask for the wrong things at the wrong times with the wrong motives, right? He hears what we really need and acts on our behalf. He's so faithful that we can ultimately trust him. That's why we can pray prayers like Jesus prayed, take this cup from me, but not your will, not my will, but your will be done. That's what I would have said. And by the way, not your will, because I'm pretty sure I know what it is. But Jesus was in a moment there, right? He was asking his faithful father for something that was not what the faithful father knew needed to happen. And he was able to trust God in that, in that moment. But not my will. Your will be done. I trust it. I trust it, even if it's harder than what I wanted. Okay, last point. God is miraculous. I actually see these three things flowing together, okay? So God's a revealer. He's a communicator. He's a speaker. He speaks to us. He's faithful then. As he speaks to us, he's then faithful to fulfill them. But... I would say, but not and, but he's miraculous. So oftentimes something you were not expecting happens. And only years later, can you look back and be like, oh, I think that's why being outside of time, he has just a different perspective on stuff. And we're so in time, we we just can't see what he can see until we get past it. God is miraculous. He is always doing the impossible. I mean, think about what was Simeon expecting, right? So it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. If he was anything like the disciples, he was expecting a very specific thing that wasn't what happened. He was expecting, a, you know, a, probably someone to be born to a rich and powerful family to raise up with an army and overthrow Rome, right? But that wasn't what happened. And do you wonder, I wonder what happened when he, the, the Spirit moved him to come out. And he came out and he sees this really, really poor family with this child. And he's like, huh? You know, I think it was like a Samuel and David moment, right? Where Samuel's like, all right, let's go pick a son here. It's got to be the oldest and the strongest. And, and God, you know, takes him down to the kid who's not even in, in the picture, right? Because God often answers things in a different way than we would have expected. But it's often miraculous. And I, and I want to just remind us in this time as we're praying and believing God for things and it's, and it's hard and we're, and we're pressing into it, God's bringing a breakthrough. God's bringing something. And, and sometimes it's, it's gonna be better than you could have expected. It's gonna be different than you did expect. And, and sometimes God's breakthrough is just gonna be, I, I think a lot of times, God is just in time. I, I hate that. <laughs> but I think it's true. Like, I don't think he's often early. And I don't think he's ever late. I think he's often just in time. And you're like, this, I really could have used this like a month ago, God. But okay, you know? And, and I think it's all so involved with our growth and our learning to depend on him. And, you know, he, um, and I'm talking a lot about Samuel today, but Samuel uh, had chronic stomach pain for, from the day he was born until about a year ago. And we have prayed and 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 prayed. And God is faithful, right? And I'm not saying God, everybody gets healed all the time. I, I, I don't actually believe that. But I do believe that God is faithful in the midst of our prayers to do something in response to our prayers. And 
Mandy kept having this thought about this one test. And she would like talk to me about it and I would be like, oh, we, that is crazy to put that a kid through that. We're not doing that test. No, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for years. And um, finally she started asking the doctor and the doctor was like, no, no, no. And then she like worked the doctor over finally. <laughs> Did this test, boom, lactose intolerant. So easy. Years of pain in this such an easy fix. And literally, his life has been changed. And our prayers have been answered. I mean, I remember when we found out, it was like a legitimate celebration in our house. We were like, you know, on the verge of tears, jumping up and down, hugging, like God has answered our prayer. Now, I was praying for God to heal him miraculously. I was, over and over, and so were you. We would pray. We prayed, I can't tell you how many times. And, but this was a different way. And it feels just as miraculous to me because my son is no longer writhing in pain, you know? So I'm not tonight going to deal with, well, what happens if you pray and you pray and you pray and the opposite happens and that thing, you know, the worst thing happens. Y'all know, I understand that and been there. So that's not what tonight's teaching is about, okay? That's part of the tension that we live in. But I just felt led to encourage you guys that God is faithful and that often what you're waiting for is going to be different than you were expecting. And so just be open. And, and also, I feel like there's something that we need to, we need to like, do more, which is like, pray for the bigger thing. Like, pray for the next, like, instead of this, pray for this. Like, God wants to be miraculous with this. Like, he wants to be, he wants to be big in our presence. So like, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't have a whole lot of examples from my life that are coming to my mind right now, but um, I, I just, this is something God's been doing in my heart. Like, 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 why don't we pray for God to give us buildings and for God to have like miraculous, you know, donations given to us or for people's lives to get radically changed or for us to meet people. I mean, just, you know what I mean? Like, let's just start praying bigger. Like, okay, we're, we're in touch with one family. Let's pray for a hundred. Like, let's ask God to give us the, the, the town of Oxford. Like, let's get in there. Like, I don't know what's on your heart. Let that begin to stir. It could be something at work. It could be in your family, but let's start praying bigger because he's a miraculous God. And you can't get away from that when you read the scripture. Okay, let's have the worship team come up. We're going to do a couple more songs. And so, oh, do you want to do your thing now? <laughs> um, we're, so what we do here at Sunday night is um, after the teaching, we have a time of response. So we're going to um, we're going to kill the lights a little bit and do some worship, do a couple more songs. You can worship um, as you respond to God. Uh, on the bottom of the sheet, um, there's kind of a little meditation thing that you can do. You can pray through with God if you want to. You don't have to. Uh, you can take communion. So we always celebrate communion. Um, if you're a believer, someone moving towards Jesus, you can go celebrate what Jesus has done for you. Um, take that individually back to your seat. And then um, we're going to end with some prayer. So in a little bit, Claire's going to come up. We're going to end with some prayer for the families that we're ministering to in Oxford, okay? So don't leave. So we're, we, you know, we've got like 15 more minutes left in the service. If you um, have never given your life to Jesus and you're someone who's saying, you know, man, I've been checking this out. I've been to church. I know some people in church, and, um, but I've never really made that commitment for my life. And Jesus, you know, this is a great time of year to think about the gift of who Jesus is and the salvation that he's given to us for free. Um, if you want someone to pray for you for that, or if you want prayer for a, a thing that you know you're praying for and you're just starting to get discouraged on, and you need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. Head to the back during communion time and get prayer. There'll be a couple people back there to pray for you, okay?